Hello everyone and welcome back episode 24. Another guest episode, so as we told you, we're rolling with the guest episode and this is Professor Andy Biggin. Like, because we normally have people on who are kind of from linked or very similar fields to us. However, mm-hmm. as you said, you work in paleomagnetism. Mm-hmm. So I think for ourselves mm-hmm. and for the listeners, what is paleomagnetism? Andy, I've heard of this yeah. pole shift and haven't we? And like, yeah. explain, explain that to so us. So how often does this event tend to occur? You know, I said that reversals up on average you know, four times per million years something if you go back a hundred million years there were no reversals at all for like 40 million years one of the things that, that has changed as a consequence of that cooling is that the center of the planet started to freeze a billion years ago <laughs> or certainly flat <laughs> it's starting to freeze <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back episode 24 as Sam rudely drinks his Coke Zero, tells me to bring it in, shoes ice like ASMR. We're nearly episode 25, big milestone that. Episode 25, if we were a living human we would be around our own age. Another guest episode, so as we told you we're rolling with the guest episode. So thank you very much for coming on and giving us your time and this is Professor Andy Biggin. Me. First That's professor. Nice. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Well, congrats, Andy. Thanks for Professor Salam. For gracing our presence. Great honour. I'm trying to think. Have we not had a professor? No. Is Malabar not a professor? No, because he, he's he's more like he does more of the program leadership. He doesn't. He do lied to me. Why he told he me. No, he Is that how he tells everyone to get them in? I'm a professor. And we'll start with it now, then, Andy. How would you, before we get into anything else, describe yourself? So, so. And work, I'm researcher and, yeah, lecturer. Um, yeah, researchers in paleomagnetism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, proud father. Father, um, okay. Connoisseur of fine food. How we start with all our episodes, when we have guest episodes, is we like to break the ice and ask a um, few highbrow questions. They're not really highbrow, mm-hmm. but we like to say they are, makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is, what is your favourite Sandwich. Sandwich. Okay. The ultimate um, question. The, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I don't eat meat, right? Okay. So that's a constraining factor straight away. Um, so I reckon. Veggie or vegan? Uh, not even veggie. Like I eat fish and. Oh, just, just like not pescatarian. Oh, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't like that. I hate that term, pescatarian. Why? <laughs> it's, like, um, it's just, it's a, such a nonsense label, you know? Yeah. It doesn't need a label. I just don't eat meat. But so also, it puts the emphasis on the fish as well, right? And the emphasis yeah. isn't on the fish, it's just, you know. You, just, you don't, don't eat just, meat. Don't it's not meat, like yeah. you're eating fish at every meal possible. No, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no. You've got, you got a thing, like, no, the animals, no, but fish every day. I hate, I hate the fish every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. what would you go for the filling then? What right, so, at? well, this is it. There's been a bit of a revolution in kind of, you know, fake meats and stuff yes. recently. So that has been a, a, a game changer yeah yeah big boom for me so um now i really enjoy like a a fake and butty i guess are you, so, on, are you onto the this isn't stuff is that what yeah you're oh, that's, what was going, that's what i was so I was going good with that, actually, yeah. so good so yeah bacon or even streaky bacon that's that's a good one where from this isn't this isn't oh do they bacon. do streaky bacon now? yeah they do oh, wow. yeah and uh, yeah but mushroom sandwich you know bit of ketchup because you used to rave um, over the dishes and bacon. Yeah, because we I went veggie for a year, 
and I used to live on the this isn't stuff. So the oh, this okay. isn't chicken, yeah. bacon, the sausages. That was just it's like quite like, pricey though, isn't it? That's oh yeah, we had no money for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 <But laughs> I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had no money, but it tasted nice. Yeah, yeah. It so tasted what nice. are we saying then, Andy? Is it like mm. white bread, brown bread? Well, you see, I, I, I like my bread. I'm, I'm a Bread, bread man. man. So, you know, me, me sort of artisan stuff. Ah, you know? okay. So, Ooh. like, but then, you know, it's a bit wasted in a sandwich, you know, you just have it with butter. But, you know, I suppose the ultimate would be something like a, you know, a sourdough or something. Like craft sourdough. This, this is it's not wasted, though. A nice sourdough, toasted, you bit of butter. It's not wasted. If this isn't bacon, doesn't need, it's the simple sandwiches, bit of ketchup if you want do you it. Say, do you want to say where does a really nice sourdough, of all places, little? Yeah, they have like a bakery in. in oh, the they have at the back, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I had a lot of the other day. It was like two quid for a big loaf, and I was like, "That's pretty good. That's half the price of what I play down mm. at Lutton Road." If you, yeah. have, if you ever, if you ever get a chance, give it a try. It's really nice. Can't, it, yeah. You can't beat though. Like I know they have bakeries, but I feel like the Asda like Tesco bakery. bakeries they're not as they're not as good. They're all done in batches. I feel like yeah. a proper bakery where you go and pay a tenner for a loaf. But it's so <laughs> worth it. Though. It is so worth it. So is that what we're going for then? The faking. Yeah, bacon sarnies on a toasted yeah, sourdough with mushrooms. Don't mushrooms, with mushrooms. Tommy K. Yeah, yeah. I like it. People who don't like, do you like mushrooms? I'm indifferent. Yeah, you're like just if someone out, yeah. if so if they're on my plate, I'll eat them, but I'll never go. I have mushrooms. Mushrooms are oh, so yeah. tasty. Yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, tells yeah, me this. And everything. Yeah. I do. I do like a stuffed mushroom, uh, port, like a portobello oh, yeah. mushroom stuffed. Thing is, with mushrooms, they soak up flavour so well, don't they? In any dish, lads, if you're in anything, you put them in, they act like a bit of a meaty soak loads and. So you're missing out better. I am missing out. I'll give him a try. But moving on to the next question. Next one. Is hosting a dinner party. Right. It's the famous question. Yeah. Three people, dead or alive, who are we asking round? Right. Okay. I've had a, had a bit of a think about this one because <laughs> I've seen it on your early ones. Um, right. I think, well, I think some sort of God of science has got to be in there. Okay. Um, and, you know, could I get away with a couple? Like, you know... Pierre and Marie Curie. Go for it. Ah, okay. We, we've, right, had, we've had, we've had a, people break the rules before, push, yeah. the, push the boundaries. Yeah. We'll take it. Because, you know, Pierre... That'd be so interesting. Pierre, yeah, Pierre Curie, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's foundational for mag- magnetism for my own field. So, you know, I could bring him up to speed on developments in that field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, this is what we've done about, since you've been away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be so, like, for, forward thinking. He'd be like, I know, Andy. Andy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew yeah. this was so long coming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, you just, you just pieces it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you know, Marie, Marie Curie was, you know, fantastic in the uh, uh, discovery of... Um, uh, of x-rays and work on the mm. um, you know the radiation and, and so on and you know and a, as a couple you know they were they won the nobel prize so you know my partner's actually a um a geologist okay. so you know we could pick up some tips of you know how you how know, to get in how, a how nobel laureate yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah what have we got to, to do <laughs> what are we missing yeah. <laughs> so who are the other two right um so well you need someone funny don't you you do but you know to keep the conversation going uh, so, and it can be someone, uh, dead, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking maybe Caroline Ahern from the Royal family. It's the, it's the daughter, Denise. Oh, oh Denise. Denise. Yeah, Denise. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I know who it is. Oh, Ahern. Her name's got an A in the front. So it's like a sound. Oh, oh, sorry. It wasn't that clear. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh, she, she, yeah she died. So, so, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she was on Gogglebox yeah. as well, wasn't she? 
Did she do the voice Just on Gogglebox, I'm sure? Oh, she... yeah, maybe. In yeah. the early days. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're a fan of the Royal it's Family good. then? Yeah, I am. Actually. It's so oh, funny. Oh, the yeah, Royal yeah. Family, yeah. man. I tell you what, yeah, really for good. years, I always said, no, I'm not, I'm not really into it. I wasn't really a fan. And then my girlfriend, she was just like, no, you're watching the Royal Love. Family from start. And then at the end, I was just like, yeah, I was in tears yeah. laughing. Baby like, David, is, so is eating dead healthy now? <laughs> or when What's he on? He's got tomato crisp. He's dead healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's a vegetarian. She can still have an ambutty though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Denise is moving out with, with, um, with her husband, Dave, for the first time, and she goes, just want to let you know, Mum, we won't be eating chips when we move out. And um, Jim Rowe goes, you're not having chips. What are you going to eat? She goes, we're going to be having stuff like pasta. Bloody pasta! <laughs> Where are you getting that from? And then it goes ballistic. Wow, you've got that down, haven't you? Oh, Jim Royal. I, I love, love so, He's classes like that, Jim Royal. He's so funny. So, so funny. I love the Christmas episode where it's just been Christmas and like Barb comes in and he goes, Barbara, don't want anything rich for me tea tonight after all that food. <laughs> I'll just have a couple of eggs on toast. So. <laughs> He's just had his Christmas dinner. He goes, don't be going all out for me, girl. Eggs on toast will do. It's just, you can't beat it. No, oh, that, that's fun. a good pick. That is a great second pick. pick. Denise's speciality is Dairy Lee on toast as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dairy Lee on toast. For dinner. Yeah. So let's round that off. So we got we got the three. Who's the, who's the final seat? Right, okay. So, um, so I might go sport with this. Okay. So I don't, to be honest, I don't, I don't watch very much sport these days, but I was a big Leeds Rhinos fan. Oh, so right. Rugby league. Um, and so, yeah, I've got a couple of heroes from that. Okay. From like the era, sort of the, you know, like 10, 20 years ago when, you know, you used to go to a lot of matches. Yeah. So there's a guy called Rob Biro. You uh, might have heard of. He's, yeah. uh, he's got motor neuron disease. So oh, sad. Uh, that. Have you seen it? Yeah, lads. So sad. So, so sad. So he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was a hero on the field, like, yeah, he was a, such a good player, wasn't he? Yeah, so you know, he's dead little. He's like five foot five, but he just he used to run rings around all the big fellas. And then, uh, yeah, and I saw him score like at Old Trafford. I saw him score one of his greatest, well, one of the greatest ever solo tries in a grand mm. final. That was, uh, yeah. So that was that was kind of special for me. Is he the guy? I mean, I'm not big. I'm not big on rugby. Was he recently on the news where his mate was doing the... The marathon. Exactly. Him over uh, so I'm angling it, for another just... kind of pair here because there's, yeah, there's his his best mate is like Kevin Sinfield. Yeah. Who was, uh, yeah, who's also, you know, kind of won, won awards for, yeah. all his, for all his charity fundraising as well. Um, so, yeah, so he, and he carried over Rob over the line after... That was, that was so much. Well. Seven, seven ultra marathons in seven days or something. I like watched that. it wow. and I couldn't, like, so, I was, lo- you know, when you're like... You can feel it. You get, you yeah. lose your breath because you're getting taken away. I was like, oh, he's done that for his mate, man, and just like... So sad, it, yeah, it was, so sad. Yeah. You know what, I like that. That, that's, that could be one of my favourite. Little, little round tables yeah, like your favourite like we've had some mad yeah. ones we've we? had some good ones like. everyone seems to pick Jesus don't they yeah. <laughs> everyone I loves Jesus. having Jesus at the <laughs> table and then he's argued he's real I've argued he's not real no, so then because the thing is that there's there's a lot of things people say that he, he was real there was a man he? definitely there called, called Jesus. Jesus so I just put down as I said at what the time it? one bottle of water I'm gonna prove this. Right, we're, we're getting to the bottom of this right now. <laughs> but yeah, so that'd be that. And then the final question we ask all our guests is: What was the worst job that oh. you've ever had? Oh, some belters. Worst role. <laughs> where if you got offered to go back tomorrow, you'd no. be saying, "I need a lot of money to yeah. go back." <laughs> well, you know, my first job. So 
you know, like my granddad lied about his age to, uh, to um, you know, go and fight the Third Reich. You know, oh, yeah. okay. in, <laughs> in World War Two. You know, I lied about my age to get a job doing a quick save. You know, like which is <laughs> which is like it's, yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of the the proto Aldi or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I remember um, them. Yeah, they going through the white storefronts. The red, yeah, that was red, oh, red, was that white red, writing, the yeah, quickie yeah. they went on us in Liverpool, like yeah. on the quickie. Oh, no. So you lied to get in there, did you? Yeah, I was 15 and I really wanted the whatever, £2 an hour or something job, so I lied about it. And, <laughs> yeah. and I stayed there for, for a few years, you know, kind of around doing my A-levels and everything. Yeah, just money coming in. Yeah. Was it bad though? It was, yeah, it was really bad. Really <laughs> the quickie. Just used to rock up hang, hungover, like, you know. On a, yeah. What was the yeah, worst thing so that happened like, when you were there? there were, oh, so, um, yeah, a little kid leaned out of a trolley and, like, pushed over a giant mound of, of uh, <laughs> glass jars of mayonnaise and I had to clean it up. Oh. I was like, it must have been about, oh, no. you know, 40, 50 broken jars of mayonnaise. And Just all the hellmans everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was the good stuff as well. Like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> not, not the quick saves no. all drop of hellmans gear on the floor. No, no. What's, what's class that? Is that kid that would be buzzing with himself? Just like... <laughs> Just like rolled away, you know, yeah, yeah. sat there devastated. Like, oh no! Well, I tell you what, the mum took herself away from there pretty quick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> this young A level still cleaning. Don't want to get stunned. For this, yeah. uh, Two grand bill for mayo. The only thing I remember about the quick save is there was one by ours in Crocky, and I was going on holiday when I was like ten years old, and me mum sent. Remember, they used to have like the photo booths in the, in like the the porch of the shop, if you like, or whatever that area is called. And my mum, like, said, I'll wait in the car, I can see you, go and get yourself a passport photo. Yeah, and I was, yeah, like, yeah. 12, 10 or 12, and she, she went, go on. And she was on the phone, she was watching me, and I just went in, put my coin in, and instead of getting, like, a small print of, like, 10 photos back in the day, it's mad, you had to go yeah. to a thing to get one. I just got, I clicked, A4 portrait, <laughs> and I got, I was only 12, I sat up there, I got a photo, and it come out, and I thought, I'll make for a passport. Yeah. <laughs> I went out, the giant went out to my mum, and through the window, I went, yeah, and she went, what the fuck? <laughs> and I went, my passport photo. Oh, how are we going to get that on the passport, Sam? And I just went, oh, I don't know. And then she went, come on, and got me on my own. But... Uh, that's class, you know. I remember, mad the way you said quick save, I remember that's, that. That's, that. That is the most used story I think I've ever heard, you know. Yeah, man, still doing stuff like that to this day. You are. So, what nice. we, because what we normally do when we have guests on is we always say, like, take us back, when did you first kind of get into your field when did you first the discover that this route. was yeah the origin mm. as like a passion however mm. i think before we get to that mm. like because we normally have people on who are kind of from linked or very similar fields towards however mm. as you said you work in paleomagnetism mm-hmm. so i think for ourselves mm. and for the listeners what is paleomagnetism okay <laughs> as, what is a, as the definition yeah it's it's the study of the magnetic field recorded in rocks basically Okay. And normally, it's we're talking about Earth's magnetic field recorded right. in rocks because most rocks are terrestrial from Earth. Um, but you can have, you know, lunar paleomagnetism. You can have meteorite paleomagnetism wow. as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's just what it sounds like: ancient magnetism. So you know, most rocks when they form will lock in some sort of signature from the the ambient magnetic field that they that they form in. 
So, and that's normally, yeah, on Earth, that's normally the Earth's magnetic field because that kind of dominates over everything else. And then you can kind of track so, how that changes through geological areas. Yeah, so, it's, it's, so then it, yeah, it maps into geomagnetism, which is a study of Earth's magnetic field. Um, and yeah, in particular, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so the magnetic field's been around for a very long time and it, it changes on timescales that are longer than, you know, than human timescales. So our only chance of really understanding it is to is to look to the geological um record and yeah. these kind of you know we've got direct measurements going back you know a few um centuries from you know uh, mariners and things you know but um yeah that's you know if you, if you if you were to compare the magnetic field to the sort of climate system then you know a few centuries the magnetic field is like you know just a, a few weeks or something for for, for the climate Very little so you can't yeah you, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't study the climate you know in just a few weeks of data so you need you know you need these uh, thousands and millions of years um long records of so the they almost field. hold like ancient transcriptions of the past like so almost information was. is interlocked in, in 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 basically rocks yeah i mean through magnetic fields and, and that's you know and that's and that's true about rocks in in general you know the the whole field of geology is, yeah. is like using rocks to to tell you about the ancient earth but the special thing about paleomagnetism is that it's telling you about the magnetic field, which has its origin in the Earth's core mm -hmm. and is relatively unaffected in its passage from the Earth's core, you know, 2,900 kilometers beneath our feet, all the way up to the surface. So it's like you're getting a record of what's going on in the deep interior of the Earth. And that isn't That's something so that generally... You know, geology can give you. It's only telling you about the surface. Yeah, yeah. So it gives you a more deeper understanding of what was going on right in the centre of our planet, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's right. So cool. And to, so to understand, you know, the kind of evolution of our planet, yeah. then yeah, I think paleomagnetism so, is like essential. You say it's the magnetism trapped in rocks. So what mm. specifically are you looking for? In like, is it just? the magnetic field that the rock gives off essentially or is a certain features yeah it that? is basically so um so most rocks are, are magnetic to some degree and um because they've got tiny little magnetic particles in there so you know the, the most famous of them is, is called magnetite and it's just a iron oxide mm. and it forms about one percent you know uh, of basalt which is the most common rock on the earth's surface so underneath all, all the right. oceans is basalt basically okay. right. and that one percent of that basalt is magnetite which is really strongly magnetic you know um so but just tiny little grains because big grains are unstable they don't they don't record um a reliable record they, they will have their record constantly overprinted whereas really tiny ones so we're talking you know sub micron here more than a um you know thousands of a, of a millimeter mm -hmm. uh, less less than that um they, so they're the most stable Larger rocks are more unreliable because there's, there's... Larger grains within the rocks. Larger grains yeah. are more unreliable. Yeah. yeah. We've just had a grain expert on, haven't we? Dr. Change Baker. Yeah, mm. in like granular granular flows. And that, oh, that was right. His, that was his, his expertise and how things How grains move. can yeah, pack, so like, on volcanoes yeah, and, and like stuff. Yeah, like volcanoes right. and, and like emergency movement. stuff and that. So, yeah, yeah. very similar. Like, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Sorry, yeah. No, no, it's a bit... Yeah, I guess it... Rocks Rain are granular fart, yeah. and all these different levels. So it's, yeah. you know, it's like fundamentally rocks are collections of, of minerals, mm -hmm. which, you know, which form themselves into what we call, yeah, the grains or the crystals, you know. So it's, they've got to be small to be a reliable um, recorder. Makes so sense. Yeah. What, what is then, Andy, for you, like, 
what is the most important like thing that paleomagnetism brings us about possibly making predictions about the future or looking into the past what is the most mm. what is the most imp- important like application of it it might not be the stuff you do or is it the stuff you yeah. do i don't know well it's, it's related to the stuff i do yeah so so as i said the magnetic field is always changing right yeah um and it does change a bit on, on human time scales you know so if you you know if if you're into hiking at all and you want your compass to be you know dead accurate then you know every few years or so you should slightly modify it because magnetic north will have moved relative yeah, to yeah. geographic north right so it's doing these small changes all the time and, and most of the time yeah you know magnetic north is near is near geographic north right and it's sort of just dancing around um but then every now and again this what we call the secular variation this just sort of wobble of the magnetic field it, it gets out of hand and it you know it, it, the field can collapse altogether and uh, you might have heard of magnetic reversals the you know, polarity the flips. Yeah. yeah that's right yeah so that's the most extreme example of that then that it, it gets the field becomes so chaotic um that then when it rebuilds it um it forgets which polarity it was originally in and it just grows back in the reverse polarity <laughs> and then it gets it gets stuck well I, and the i've heard of this yeah. pole shift and haven't we and like yeah. explain so, explain that to so us how, as, so so how often does this event tends to occur right so t- yeah so it's good that you said tend to occur because it's not regular yeah so we, and we can't predict when the next one's going to happen for sure okay. until it's nearly on us right but mm. um is that dangerous um uh i'll come back to that but yeah i mean <laughs> if you can't uh, predict it that sounds pretty dangerous yeah, yeah. But it's, it's quite slow so we, we, we would mm. get some okay happened might be able to adapt yeah, yeah so the last one happened seven hundred eighty thousand years ago right um but on average uh, in the last 10 million years or so, they've, aver- they've happened about four times per million years. Right. So you could say we're well overdue, but you know right, that yeah. doesn't mean that you know one's going to happen very soon. We, it could be millions of years before the next one happens. Yeah. It's mm. just a, it's a, you know, it's a, a stochastic process. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, just don't know. So is there, has there ever been, I suppose this is a proper mad question, of like when it collapses that it rebuilds in the correct way like mm. so for example every time it collapses yeah. Yeah. does it always flip no. or can it rebuild the no. correct in way? fact more often than not it, it comes back in the same polarity it was it recovers so we call those events um excursions right so okay. magnetic excursions so there the, the pole the magnetic pole goes a long way away from the geographic pole so you know more than forty-five degrees, so it's, it's near the equator somewhere. Yeah. But then it then it, it recovers again. Oh, right. th- those tend to be a bit short-lived events. So they they might only you know big one of those might only last a few thousand years. Whereas you, for your full reversal to happen, that that can take yeah more like ten thousand years for, for that to happen. To fully to fully like, reverse, yeah, to go from being stable normal to stable. And how long did you say reverse. it takes to go from? from the equator back up to where it was originally well it, so the field becomes you know very complex at these times so um it's no longer well described okay. by a simple bar magnet you okay. know which is how we tend to think about it yeah, today. yeah. with the two things coming like exactly round. the flux yeah, yeah. lines yeah going yeah. from from pole to pole um yeah so that's that's not a bad description for the field today but at times when it's undergoing this these excursions or reversal transitions it's much more complex than that um, so it's multipolar and you get, um, yeah, so that means that the, 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 the pole that you're, you know, closest to you that you're seeing 
might move very quickly indeed. You know, so we've had arguments that there's, you know, from high resolution lake sediments and stuff, had arguments that you can see, you know, it happening within decades, you know, the kind Jeez. of uh, this thing moving over. But that will probably be in just that one place, you know, yeah. where they've caught it and other places would not see such rapid changes. That's yeah. insane. Wow. So, so yeah, so I'd also, basically, I was just going to ask the question you referred to yeah, go on. before. What are the implicit dangers now because obviously when this has happened in the past we've not had things such as electricity and mm. things like that. so what are kind of and human life as we know it so what are the dangers then is should this happen like right today? so well so the magnetic field does um does a, a, a big service for society in kind of shielding near earth space mm-hmm. from um uh solar wind radiation okay so this is we're talking about 10 Earth radii, so 60-odd thousand kilometres above the Earth's surface, um, you've got the, the magnetic field goes out and kind of dominates near Earth space in that side, and then it hits the magnetic field because it's coming from the sun, basically. And that, mm-hmm. that magnetic field's been carried out on a stream of charged particles. And there's nasty stuff, these charged particles, you know. It's... Uh, if you you know if you had a solar storms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, if if you had a if you had an astronaut that was that was outside the Earth's magnetic field, you know, on the moon or something during a very big event, then that could potentially be, be lethal. Oh, you know, wow. the amount of radiation they received. So the the magnetic field does a great job of of, 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 of blocking of, out that radiation. Yeah, basically deflecting like, that, that yeah. radiation around the Earth. And is that what um, causes the like the northern lights and it stuff? Is, is, is yeah, that so what that's the stuff that coming of... coming in actually because right. you know as you just said those flux lines you know they come into the earth right so the high latitudes the stuff it's like it's like it gets stretched with an elastic band this uh, at the at the night side of the earth so the side away from the sun and then it kind of pings back and then these yeah the, these um, particles come in at high velocity then hit the atmosphere the atmosphere is is a very good shield as well for mm-hmm. the solar radiation but that's what creates the um yeah the lighting effects that are aurora wow so, this is all sorry there's loads of things in my life connecting all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> so obviously then so then the danger be once it flipped the magnetic field isn't so much there or provides the same level of protection is that kind of the yeah idea? that's right and and well it, it, it's worse than that maybe because it becomes all complex so it, it might actually be driving the solar wind in to uh, the atmosphere at low latitudes as well um, yeah. you know which is where there's more more life tends to be there now so it's dangerous there's we've got no evidence that life has suffered during these magnetic reversals in the past mm-hmm. um, although someone did publish quite a controversial thing about Neanderthals going extinct in a quite high profile paper actually because of the last big excursion, actually. So, but weren't Neanderthals still about though, like seventy thousand? Yeah, years no. This ago? is this is forty thousand years ago when the oh, last okay. big excursion. Happened. Ah, okay, okay. It's called the Lachamp excursion, um, but that that's pretty controversial. You know, um, in general, we don't see any records in the um, you know in the, in the paleontological record of, of like life suffering during these vessels because there's been a lot of them. You know, four per million years. That's that's quite frequent in geological time mm-hmm. so life has found a way to adapt and you know things like the you know birds that use this um uh they use magnetic field for navigation you know there, there's even been studies suggesting that they're able to recalibrate their magnetic internal magnetic compasses using the the, the rising and the setting of the sun uh, you know so that they birds can, are uh, fascinating man so, so they can life's they can, just uh, fascinating in general isn't it like yeah. how this type of stuff can just so occur. what are the the indicators, Andy, to mm. a polar shift happening. 
Yeah, so the field will get much weaker, um, and it has been getting weaker for the okay. last few centuries. Um, uh, so, yes, it would, it would come, but it's still quite strong by geological standards. But it would keep on getting weaker, and there's a funny region of the, the Earth's surface, um, uh, the magnetic field at the moment, called the South Atlantic Anomaly. Um, and yeah, that's getting bigger at the moment. So that's kind of causing the global field to, to, to get weaker, that, that we've got this sort of anomalous, it's like the field's pointing in the wrong direction, actually, okay. um, uh, down in the, in, in, at the core mantle boundary. And um, yeah, so that sort of anomalies like that would grow. And yeah, the field would just become more complicated. Uh, and yeah. And then, then you might get people saying we're on the, like the edge of possibly moving into yeah, this phase I mean, this of this is all going to take, this probably all takes centuries though. So it'd be okay. played out yeah. in quite slow motion. I'll be dead um, on sound. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs> it'll be... There's no evidence that it causes major issues anyway. No, yeah. the, I mean, there's, there's a much more immediate related threat, which is that the, um, uh, from, you know, solar storms themselves, because they essentially, if, you know, you can get this, if you get a very weird bundle of the sun's magnetic field coming out to the earth's magnetic field, it can kind of open it up like a, a tin opener. Oh, and then Christ. all this, all this magnetic flux can, can, can get inside and you get, yeah. And you get, then you get aurora at very low latitudes. Um, but you'd also, you know, get potentially a lot of damage to, um, to electrical infrastructure. So, um, it's not going to you be know, the ozone it, there's, laying all over again, is it? In the, <laughs> yeah. Well, in the in the nineteenth century, there's something called the Carrington event, right? Yeah. Um, which was a very big solar storm, and that that did cause all these um, uh, all these electrical problems in these telegraph lines, right? But you know that that was something when technology was very very nascent, right? If it, if it happened now, it's you know it's, it it was predicted. This is a few years ago. I think we're better prepared now, but only. I don't know, 10 years ago or something, the um, National Academy of Sciences in the US uh, predicted it would cost us like a trillion dollars or something. To recover from if, such a Yeah, event. yeah, because the problem is if, if it knocks out transformers, right, in the power grid, then they're not quickly replaced. So that means a big area of the, of the grid Could be goes down. Yeah. And then, you know, you're trying to replace that, but, you know, you can't because you haven't got any power to power anything, you know, so... So, so um, it, and it, if it was a really big one, it could sort of cascade down and, you know, be very, um, yeah, be very problematic. The amount of, like, social media flies who live on the phones who uh, couldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> they just sit there with a the phone, just looking at the screen, <laughs> swiping up. Well, that's right. We're so reliant on it. And GPS, no, you know, course, would, yeah. would, would uh, potentially go down as well. You know, you could have a lot of satellites, like, losing function. So uh, and GPS is used for all sorts of things in, you know, um, agriculture, for yeah, example, yeah. you know. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, so it did feel like, yeah, 10 years ago when I was teaching this in, in a geohazards module at, at, at Liverpool, I, I, um, I felt like we weren't very prepared. And now it does feel like, yeah, the governments are starting to... So wise to, up to, to this, uh, maybe. Yeah, to, and, and be ready. I mean, ultimately, you know, you, you could be safe just by shutting down power grids just while the storm is going on. Because there's um, nothing active for it to 
kind of break essentially yeah that's right it's so it's 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 all about it adds so you've got power flowing through these lines and they've got thresholds that you know the, the transformers can cope ah, with right, and you don't exactly. want to add anything massive to right. it so if you just shut it down then you know what then, it, then it's built in protection i don't, I don't trust yeah. that the government's ready for that and apparently we're ready for a <laughs> pandemic aren't we yeah well, well there, there is that we're ready point. we're ready for the polish <laughs> <laughs> six months so, later we're all fucking locked down somewhere tell you what though it the is shifts, the polls the polls have shifted it is crazy and i'll just like one day the sun could just go right you're not having telly anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. No royal family this week. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do, the sun just... That's like, it. So, I suppose then, to, like, so now we've kind of got, we've gone into paleomagnetism a bit. Where, how did you first become like, this is my subject? Um, how did that come about? Yeah, I guess it was choosing my, my PhD. Was um, that when you first kind of were... Yeah, well, I did, I actually did an undergraduate project um, in my last year, um, which was in paleomagnetism mm-hmm. and um yeah i enjoyed it you know it involved a bit of field work and uh, a bit of lab measurement and um yeah it told us something about it tells us about how continents move around as paleomagnetism you know it's actually it's you know it's one of the you'd be familiar with the the basic idea of plate tectonics yeah or so like the story of like pangea and yeah, yeah that's yeah, right so okay. basically you know the the proof of that really came from paleomagnetism oh, back wow. in the you know, from the 50s through, you know, through the next few decades. So because the magnetic field looks different at the at the poles that it does at the equator. Yeah. So you can see from, uh, you can tell that continents have moved, changed latitudes, you know. Um, yeah, because the magnet, like the, the how the, the residue in the, the rocks looks isn't how it should be for where it currently is. Now that's right, exactly. So the direction changes. So, you know, if you've, got a, if you've got something, let's say, that's close to the equator or when the northern hemisphere is slightly like India, you know, so the, the magnetic field there today is pointing kind of quite shallow northward and down, right? And um, you've got these rocks, you know, from uh, 50, 60 million years ago, and it's pointing up and, and much steeper. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's, that's what it would be like if it was in the southern hemisphere you know fairly oh, mid wow. latitudes right so the inference being that you know that continent has moved has rifted off it must have been the, yeah. here previously due to the nature of how this place looks now is that how you yeah from the, mag- from the magnetic yeah. field direction yeah wow so That's um insane. so i was doing that as my as my undergraduate project on the, on the isle of man and uh, oh, right. some rocks there that are about yeah 450 million years old or something and um yeah i, I quite enjoyed that and then you know i was just looking for something to do and my um don't want to go uh, back to quick save my, my, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, so my um yeah my, uh, I, was, I was quite fortunate that this uh, a guy who was who used to be a phd student and a postdoc at liverpool had just set up a new lab at in kingston university in uh, in surrey and okay. uh, he was looking for a phd student and mm. uh, so i applied for that and uh, yeah, and took it from there. And I think what really appealed to me about that project, well, one thing, I had field work in Australia. So uh, that, was, that was quite nice. Um, but also, um, yeah, it was trying to tackle, uh, rather than just, you know, kind of looking at the um, how things moved on the surface of the Earth, this was dealing with, you know, the kind of the, the, the deep interior of the planet and how things have changed in the, in the planet's core. Mm. So not just looking at the, the direction of the magnetic field, but looking at the strength of the magnetic field, which is... Is much more difficult to recover, actually. Yeah. And that's that's basically what my lab specialises in today. Okay. Um, is measuring the ancient strength of the field. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
So what about what about in Australia? Did you? Where? Whereabouts? Yeah. Uh, so it's it pretty broad range actually. So uh, we went as far south as Kayama, which is you know not far from Canberra, it's yeah. on the east coast, and then all up the east coast up to um, uh, Cairns, you know, like on the uh, Queensland. So basically, yeah, we did 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 two big road trips. Um, why is why and... is this like our PhD sound shit? <laughs> we just sit in front of computers. Well, but yeah. We are fucking lame. I, it, I say this all the time, right? We're data scientists, right? Lame. All I need is that laptop to do my work, mm. and I choose to do it at home. <laughs> I, I could be uninspired. I could be anywhere in the world. So uninspired. I choose man. to do it in bed, looking at your mother while you do it. Yeah, so like, I mean? mum, do you want a brew? <laughs> but yeah, who have spoke to other? Like professors, doctors, and everyone's PhD sounds so much more yeah. exciting. Like we had just James like, on the uh, other week. Yeah. yeah, and I was I just worked in Australia for a bit, then I was around here. Then we had um Dr. Evo Seatman on, he was like, Yeah, New Zealand, Australia, just like all around. And then we're just like, Yeah, data Liverpool. science it attaches you to one of those. It does. Things, man. Yeah, but it's just us. We keep ourselves grounded in at home. <laughs> yeah. Humble. <laughs> so you said you worked in Australia. We also saw when we were reading your profile and some questions. Um the uni off that you've been in Mexico, yes, Mexico and like in Central Europe, uh, uh like France, and... yeah, no, yeah, Montpellier, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I suppose the question is then, so obviously, what were the other than obviously the magnetic field differences between the two places? Was there anything else that the the different geolocations kind of showed oh, up? In that's, the, a, that's a good in question, but no, it's, it's got quite a boring. Answer really, it was, it was where the money was. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, you cop out. <laughs> So, um, yeah, in, in Mexico, um, yeah, I didn't really get to, to do much field work in Mexico, actually. So um, my then supervisor went off on sabbatical straight away. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of left uh, trying to set up the lab because the lab wasn't quite working properly. Okay. Um, and, and then actually, yeah, you know, we had a limited success there. And then I got into, um, yeah, the more sort of theoretical side, numerical side, because yeah. that mm. was something that, you know, yeah, I could do with just a just a computer, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so Mexico had a fantastic time there. Really, you know, w- w- wonderful event. But yeah, I didn't um, some great holidays and stuff, but I didn't really make the most of the, the geology. Uh, <laughs> Progress <laughs> was, was limited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun was hard. <laughs> to be fair, I'd be like that if I was in Australia. And Mexico was hard. I'd be like, well, this is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, it's different. So for field, you know, Australia was field work. That was going and collecting rock samples. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've done that in many different areas of the world, including a little bit in Mexico, but I didn't do it much in Mexico. Yeah. And um, didn't do it much in, in south of France either, because that was working on samples that had already been collected. Uh, ah, you know, I was only there for a year. But then I went to Utrecht in Holland after that, and that was really, that was, yeah, that was the making of me, I'd say. That was really, you know, really great, great lab there. And, and I did lots of field work there in South Africa and mm. um, uh, Turkey. Like, yeah, I'm working on very different, different age rocks. So in, in South Africa, it was um, some of the oldest rocks on the planet, actually. It's an absolutely extraordinary. Three and a half billion year old rocks. In South Africa? That, yeah, yeah. That, wow. that look just like, you know, you can go to, you can go to rocks that are, you know, relatively recent in geological terms in like Wales and, you know, and, and see. And look exactly yeah, the same, yeah. yeah. It's extraordinary. It's wild. Um, are, they, are we talking, this might sound like a stupid question, are we talking particles or are we talking like... No, no, big, big rocks. rocks. Big so rocks. you can see, so if you've ever seen a, a video of a, like a mid-ocean ridge, like, you know, you see the, 
hydrothermal vents and stuff. You yeah. see the lava coming ah, out and, okay, then, yeah. and, then, and then immediately yeah, cooling yeah. down because it's in freezing water, right? Um, and they form these like these lobes that they call pillows. Ah, right? okay. So you can you can go to um, yeah to 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 Barberton Greenstone Belt, it's called in South Africa, and and you can see pillows just like that. From a that formed in an ocean three, three, and a half, billion, three and a half billion years ago. in the world, you only like little, four billion years, four and a half. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So, so essentially, that was some of the oldest rocks. That was like when the earth was like properly starting to cool down, essentially, where we could would that be one well, of the first ooh, instances? Oh, we saw a bombardment uh, yeah, or whatever they call it. Yeah, that, that's a very controversial question. Whether, yeah, to, to what extent the earth resembled. You know, the, the, yeah, the, today's Earth back then. Um, you know, I mean, these rocks certainly look like rocks that can be found on Earth today. Um, but the argument could be that we were just lucky and that was just as one place that is where it was retained such rocks and actually... Be so because there's a small right. sample, it's not really... You can't really... It's not inducive to the whole kind of this is what it was. Yeah, sort of I mean, there's, so there's a lot of granites around there and, and you know, and granites are um, these lighter coloured rocks. They, they form when you... When you melt the darker colored rocks that are in the oceans right these basalts and things right so if you've got that then that suggests that you've got the original rocks these basalts that are going down into subduction zones you yeah. know that and then being remelted and making these these granites right so that suggests that you have got a, a process like what's going on earth today plate tectonics and so on but some people think no it's you know that's just a very local yeah. ice thing you know and, and actually you didn't have plate tectonics for perhaps another billion years or something and that wow. the earth was was very different but almost certainly you had less continental crust back then than you did than you do Jeez. today yeah. so uh, this is more less than, that's insane isn't it like, it's, it's, it's unimaginable I'm gonna, i can't get my head around because i know about like the bombardment the earth went under mm. and like three billion it must have been as you say you said it's contra, contra, controversy of was it actually cooling and what it looks like now or was it still in that period oh, I just can't get my head around those sort of three <laughs> billion. billion years and you can old. just go and see it that rock has just been like that for three billion years That's, yeah and it must have been <laughs> protected it must have been just like yeah, it's <laughs> so it, it must have been protected in the you know for, for, for all that time as well because otherwise you know obviously it would have been, been eroded good, away yeah. Right? but yeah as you, as you drive into this this mountain land it's, it's really funny because you, you're on this flat land you know uh, uh, all across for hundreds of miles across South Africa, and then you then you drop down into this region. It's like you you've, you're dropping down through these these rocks that are protecting these older rocks, and then you get the access wow. to like the, you know the basement and this proper proper old stuff. Yeah. So a question again, probably away from rocks. So you've worked the place from like in places all over the world. Mm. What's kind of like the academic culture? Is it like mm. how does it differ in different places of the world compared to how obviously we have experienced it over here? Mm. in little old England yeah so it is it is subtly different in different mm. places for sure so um, in Mexico the academics had a pretty good life gotta say you know um, very well paid um, tend to live in you know big houses with staff and you know yeah really yeah, yeah. he's called Mexico like, and, seriously uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, wow. not not permanent servants, but you know, kind of gardeners and you know, yeah. uh, and uh, maids wow. and things, and you know, paid for is, privately uh, or paid for by no, no, just the, just because well off decent wages, that well, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, football pitches in the gardens, you know, sure, like, or. yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's like some very nice 
you know, and, and the culture is very, yeah, very relaxed, you know, so yeah. go around each other's houses, you know, have, have nice dinner parties, you know, every... Play 40. Every week. Yeah, yeah, play 40 with the kids. <laughs> In the yeah. garden. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's it's, insane. Uh, so that was, that was, that was quite, um, yeah, decadent, really. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I mean, in, in France, so there I think it's, you know, I think UK is, is quite extreme in sort of, um, like the PhDs are relatively cheap for the taxpayer to cover or whoever it is that's covering them. So there's a lot of them, right? And few go on to academic positions, right? Whereas, you know, it's a small proportion, um, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, whereas in France, it is like, you know, I've, I've heard it said that, you know, some people, they won't take on PhD students unless they know there's going to be a job for them. Like, oh, really? you, know, right. as a, okay. you know, as a lecturer, like yeah. down the line, because that's just, that's the sort of career track, wow. you know, if you, if you do it. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Utrecht is a bit more, I guess, um, like Similar. the UK. Yeah, but, but then still, you, you know, you do two-year master's and then, you know, four-year bachelor's, two-year master's. The final, the second year of your master's is, is basically a PhD. It's like first year of, yeah, all project. First year of PhD. And then you've got um, five years for your PhD. So it's Where like Utrecht. No, but, it, but I think it's... Netherlands, sorry. Yeah. Um, and, but I think it's like that, you know, in, in um, large parts of, of Europe. Um, and to, to some extent in the, in the US as well. They, you know, we, you know, I got we my PhD at 24. And that's you know wow. that's completely unheard of. Did you go straight and, uh, from undergrad to yeah, PhD? Yeah. Well, I always yeah. I always say this. I've said this to you. I've said it to a few people. I wish I had more time in my like formative undergraduate and masters years just to because a lot of the time I feel it's very pressured in the UK to get like, it, learn, thing. learn, yeah, learn, yeah. learn, learn. Get the, right. I'd love to have just had time to read and write and do all the other things. You know, I'd like delve into a topic instead of it just being. Right, you've got, an assessment. An, you've got an assessment in common. two months type thing. Yeah. So that like in the Netherlands model, that sounds like I've been like, wow, that's class. Well, also, you know, I've heard it, you know, so that the, the male brain in particular is not fully mature until 26, right? Tell me about Which, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I was definitely living proof of that. Like, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so it's like, it, it's, it's hard to then be at that level of training of specialism, really. You know, when when he's so when he's so young, and I think that yeah, if you're in somewhere that nurtures you a bit more and allowed and... you to mature with the subject mm. kind of more slowly and more naturally, instead of it being right, you just got to get through as a function to either a be a lecturer or the small people going to or just go and get a job and be productive. And as you say, in the UK, ninety yeah, percent of people who do PhDs just don't go into academia. Yeah, they just get off of either because there's not enough jobs or. They just, job as security. you said, job security, but they just, mm-hmm. I think there just isn't enough positions. So yeah. you take them on, there's loads of these doctors working for big private industry firms who just moved on because they, they couldn't it's pursue shame, what they wanted to do. It's a shame that the brain drain essentially from academia, isn't it? Yeah. That goes behind closed doors. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's brutal, right? Because it, it means that you've got to, if you want an academic career, well, you either have to be extremely lucky or, you know, you've got to be prepared to kind of, you know, jump ship to, to move all over the place, right? And yeah. just take whatever's whatever's available until you, you know, you find you So you find a place where you can Yeah when set, set the up right base. job comes up. Like yeah. Yeah. That's it. So I was gonna ask then Andy, mm. what you you hit on a little bit about what 
your lab um, specializes in mm. what exactly does your lab specialize in in the mm. umbrella term of paleomagnetism what, what what research do you guys specifically do what are you doing at the moment yeah so so um we yeah we work across the whole field of paleomagnetism so right from the from the very small to the very large okay so um and theoretical and um and empirical as well so you know we've got we've got some real um not me but we've got some some very <laughs> talented individuals in in, in uh, our group who um work on something called micromagnetics so that's okay. essentially simulating at this you know at this very um fine scale of you know millions of a um a, a, a meter the um uh changes in the in magnetic structure within these particles you know so um that's really trying to explain how these particles have such stability how they're able to hold on to the you know magnetic signal for billions for of so years, long right yeah, yeah. yeah um uh, and then yeah we you know we we go out and we get rocks and we measure them in the lab um so we do a lot of that so we've got um a lot of good equipment for measuring that's so a very sensitive magnetometers uh, so and you go get them yourselves it's not like you, you're going to achieve yeah 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 we yourself, do it yeah, all yeah all well, see this is, so this is the thing this is a reason that I, I really got into research actually that i, I decided i wanted where? to that i wanted to try well no it was the whole thing the whole package from start oh, okay. to finish you know how you can so, see getting something from the ground outside and then taking it through the whole process and write this is the result yeah so, and then yeah, writing yeah. up and presenting that result yeah. you know because if you you know if, if you work in the private sector or something often you know these they they make these processes more efficient by having people individuals specializing just one part of the whole process right yeah, yeah. whereas you know in academic research you kind of have to take charge of the whole thing and do it from start and to I finish i suppose that's right? more interesting it keeps it that's fresh on it what you're doing i think so yeah. i agree yeah i really i really like the variation now so mm. sometimes yeah i'm not like you know it keeps you sorry i want to get back to what your lab does but just hitting on that question yeah it keeps the the this is opinion, just my opinion as well. But like, for example, we're data scientists, and we feel like we've been trained to like we just get the data. We don't know where we know where it's come from. It's yeah. been collected by someone else. It's mm-hmm. been processed, and we get it. We analyze it, and then we'll like pass the results on to someone who can like right, okay. interpret it. But I feel like from start, and obviously certain fields it's hard to do in like healthcare you're not going to go and collect loads of information on a patient exactly exactly (laughs) but just sort of the 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 point i was making is it feels a lot more like authentic coming from you as an individual or the lab because you've carried this like baby if you like through its process Mm -hmm. it's not being you know dissolved or like sanitized by everyone getting their hands on the project and going we've done process the data this way we feel like you should do that with it okay we're going to analyze it okay now we're going to pass it on and they're going to tell us about the result it's all no this is our baby and this is what we it's we've done it how we wanted to do it Mm -hmm. not how everyone else got the the the, the stinking paws on it but that's but that's got but that's got part of the problem in there in there as well though because if it is your baby you're taking it through from start to finish you're biased you might be biased yeah Yeah, Yeah, it hasn't got the checks and balances in the you know in something like analyzing health statistics or something you, yeah you, you know you don't want just it's like a, to but you see what i'm saying it's got the trade yeah. off it's like i just I hate when everyone gets the mitts on stuff it's just feel like <laughs> ruins it. it's like stop ruining what we're doing get your damn paws off my shit <laughs> no but uh yeah your lab your lab. so yeah so we've got um yeah magnetometer so one of them's um yeah it's very nice you know it's uh it basically is it's like a piece of factory machinery or something that's automated. So you load your specimens oh, right. on there and it 
kind of picks them up with a robotic arm and uh, and and does the experiment for you. And um, yeah, and at the heart of that is uh, a cryogenic magnetometer. So it's it's um, the most sensitive magnetometer that we have. Uh, they don't operate at room temperature. They've got to be uh, the superconducting. So, is so it zero Kelvin or as yeah, close it was to, close, close to yeah, yeah, so below four Kelvin. So right, yeah. you know that's just you know still very cold. Minus two hundred. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> still very really cold. Yeah. yeah. So, so we've got. Um, so yeah, we have to liquefy helium to you know to to, to do all that, and um, yeah, so we've got a few of those, and then um, yeah, and then we go right up to sort of uh, some of what I do is is collaborate with um, uh, with mathematicians um, on uh, uh, simulating the uh, processes of flow fluid flow within the core and the the dynamo process that okay that um, yeah that that, that produces. So it's making yeah computer models of of, right. um, of what we call the geodynamo, which is the the thing that makes the Earth's magnetic field. So this be like and mathematical systems with it, like of what what type of equations? Would yeah, you so to it's uh, well, it's um, it's Newton's uh, second law. Okay. So essentially, but in terms of the Navier-Stokes equation, um, so fluid flow. Um, yeah, it's all fluid dynamics. And and yeah, fluid so dynamics, fluid dynamics, and then okay. um, but then linked to obviously you've got then the the uh, Maxwell's equations for the uh, uh, right, electromagnetism yeah, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, which then feeds back into yeah. the into the fluid flow as well. So yeah, it's pretty complex, and I I don't you know I, I don't write these these programs. I um, I take ready made ones, and yeah, and, uh, but I do get to play with them. You know, it's quite good. Yeah. So I get to change the inputs and then yeah, yeah. and then run them on uh, uh, yeah. So so I'm running stuff at the moment on what's called Archer Two, which is the National Environmental Science. Um, supercomputer framework. Oh, wow. So it's what they use the for the big to, um, to do the big calculations. Yeah, so it's yeah. what they use for the big climate simulations. You know that you see in like IPCC reports and stuff like yeah. that. So we're just using a, a part of that for um, yeah simulating the core and uh, yeah trying to make it look like the Earth did. You know, along the Earth's magnetic field looked based like a long on the time findings ago, so. from the rocks you found. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So so you know I've. I've I've moved into that area because I really enjoy it, and no, I've, I've been really fortunate in having finding great collaborators as well. well so, a question that's just kind of came to me then is obviously we're data scientists. We work with mm. like machine learning, mm. artificial intelligence, mm. AI, the buzzword as everyone uses it. It, it does that play like those type of techniques are you leveraging them in your uh, field or i am no? not personally but yes the the other guys a group so they run these micromagnetic simulations and they're interested you know so they'll take they'll take a grain of magnetite mm -hmm. you know and, and simulate in all these different shapes you know and then then they they want to try and match up with the observations then and try and infer you know to um what 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 grains the assemblages of grains are so we're talking about millions of simulations there so yeah machine learning then is really makes sense yeah it's complete um makes sense to 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 uh to try and uh yeah learn which are the best combinations. yeah because it, it, it makes for, sense um, when you get past so many data points it, it's unfeasible unfeasible trying to hand trying a billion to data hand. points to a logistic regression model <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just trying to many tough <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Everyone knows Minitab. <laughs> I, haven't used, I haven't used that for yeah, 20 years or something. And there's around, a reason, because yeah. it's terrible. I remember getting mad confused about Minitab when yeah. I first got given it. And then the first thing... Like, I first just, year, I was like, yeah, Someone goes, on it's not Excel. And you go, well, why is it like Excel then? <laughs> yeah, like, this is Excel. This but... is Excel, stop telling me it's not. So, and, Andy, what is then the main... 
like you were saying, there's a group doing micromagnetism, mm. is that what they called it? What is like the main of the lab or of your specific research, what you've just mm. described? Mm. I'm getting, and I'm sure there's people going to be listening. What's the main like, it doesn't need to have one either. Like application, what is the is the application? Yeah. What is the main like thing you're trying to? No, there's a big there's a big theme. The umbrella theme, I'm, the yeah, theme, yeah, exactly. That, that, that I'm interested in and I've been my my whole career, and that's basically using um, uh, paleomagnetic records to tell yeah. us about how um, the deep interior of the Earth has changed over. Um, millions to billions of years mm -hmm. right so the you know earth is not just a rock right it's it's a you know obviously you've got all the life at the surface but even inside and in it's is its interior it is evolving thing right so you've got um a, a, an outer core that is liquid uh and then a mantle which is which is solid rock but that rock is moving right it's flowing just like oh, a very very yeah, viscous yeah. liquid Okay, over over millions of years, right? Um, and the whole Earth is cooling down, right? It's still, it's, it's, it loses, you know, um, 44 terawatts at the moment is like the heat that's been released at the at, at the surface. Um, is that expelled through things like the volcanoes and underwater volcanoes? Yes, is exactly. That nearly, nearly all of it, yeah, is it's concentrated at the mid-ocean ridges. Yeah, yeah okay. that's right. That's where the heat's released. So that's a lot of heat over geological time, right? Because mm. um, now partly the the planet keeps itself topped up in heat by because um, it's got radioactive minerals in its interior. Okay, and so then there's, there's elements like uranium, thorium, potassium, which are decaying, which are keeping the planet hot. But actually, that's only a part of it. Most of the heat is still heat that's trapped in from the original accretion of the planet, four and a half billion The original years creation ago. of the yes. compaction of impact. Wow. That's right, yeah. So it's still trying to lose that heat that it's got. And, and that's causing it to evolve through time. So one of the things that, that has changed as a consequence of that cooling is that the center of the planet started to freeze. Okay? So, a billion years ago, <laughs> or certainly... <laughs> it started to freeze. Freeze, yeah. So the inner core is, is bits of the outer core that have frozen at the center wow. of the Earth. Yeah. And it's, it's not because it's cold, it's because the pressure's so high. But oh, then yeah, when yeah. the temperature drops, then it changes to the... Okay. Yeah, it changes to... Um, so the, the iron wow. freezes in the center... But then the core isn't all iron, right? It's about 20% lighter stuff. You know, we're not entirely sure what it is, but silicon, sulfur, oxygen, that sort of stuff. Just lighter right? elements. Yeah, lighter elements. And they do not get frozen in with the iron. So the iron goes into the solid ball at the yeah. center of the inner core. The lighter stuff is then free to, to float up to the surface, right? And it's that, that is what is driving then the motion in the core, which is what is generating the Earth's magnetic field. Okay, so you have to magnetic generating a magnetic through through a dynamo process, just like making your light come on your bike by keeping your pedals turning. It takes work, right? So that work has got to come from somewhere, and the, and it comes in, in large part, we think, by um, the inner core, um, yeah, growing and releasing these these light elements. Um, so, you know, one thing that we could learn that one of the big you know research questions that we're trying to tackle is when was that precise moment when the first iron froze at the center of, of the core, right? Because that will have been a major power boost 
to the magnetic field because suddenly you're releasing all these light elements that you weren't doing before. Before, okay. Right, yeah. So, so you're we're looking strength in the field essentially. Yeah. yeah. So that's so we're looking for that signal that, um, wow. of inner core nucleation, and if we had that then that would give us, you know, because we've got all these models of how the Earth's been cooling down since its history. Yeah. They're completely unconstrained. They're just based on what we see today, and then you just go backwards, right? I mean, just extrapolate no in reverse. Yeah, yeah. And, and all sorts. Cause, so, so, so these models are just very, very poorly constrained. I, I assume um, in linearity in how it kind of things. And, well, yeah. uh, very oversimplified, but like, obviously not taking into account there could be a big dip here or a big increase or something elsewhere. Like yeah, yeah, and just, you know, the only constraints you've got, you've got rocks on the surface that are up to, you know, what, well, maybe 3.8 billion years old. So you know that the surface has been solid since then, right? Apart from that, you haven't got much going, you know, some chemical indicators and stuff. But, you know, the magnetic field, we can say that the magnetic field has been going for three and a half billion years. That means that the core must have been cooling down, must have been losing energy, because that is that energy is Creates what is required to create the field. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're interested in trying to um, use these records to to give us a tie point for these models to say, you know, if we can say when the inner core nucleated first formed, then we could say we can rule out all these different models that have that happening at could different times. Could we then, Andy, if we could find out when? The, the center of the earth started to release these lighter elements and create the magnetic field. Have I got that right? Uh, mm. That's where it come from. Could we then make predictions about when that you know release of these elements will stop and the, the field could collapse? Because that, that, there's places yeah. without fields, isn't there? There's, there's rocks without magnetic fields yes, out there in the, the, in the, in the universe. The, yeah, well, there's places that don't have fields. Yes. Well, I'm not, I don't know. You said that with total authority. Yeah. There are, imagine if it, no, no, there isn't. You mess around with bloody cluster algorithms and I'm going, I know for sure there's no fields on the moon. Yeah. What is the one on the no, moon? There, there is isn't on the moon, one on the moon, the... but there was. There was, okay. Right? Because, can... the, because the old rocks say that there was, that they were magnetized, right? Same with Mars. There's no field there today. Um, and, but the um, uh, southern half of the planet is yeah. a lot older than the northern half of the planet and that's all magnetized. So the, the, um, so the magnetic field was acting up to about 4 billion years ago on Mars, and then it cut out, right? Venus does not have a magnetic field today. It's nearly the same, you know, size and That's presumably yeah, yeah. a similar composition to the Earth. Why that doesn't have a magnetic field is probably because it doesn't have plate tectonics and okay. things. Um, but then through the rest of the solar system, you know, they've all got big magnetic fields, you know, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. So you, know, you were saying that about Mars then, this just, just came to me then. So, you know, like we have all these kind of people going about... Um, Populating Mars. Like terra, what's the word? Terraforming Mars. Oh, yeah. So yeah. would Good that game. then kind of be a pointless endeavour because there is no magnetic field? Fields, yeah. uh, no, I wouldn't say it'd be a, a pointless and. Uh, endeavor. I mean, there's a board game that I really like called Terraforming Mars, oh, by right. the way. And uh, yeah. one of one of the cards that you can play there is to is to make a magnetic field. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if it was that so easy. Like, yeah. Bang, fixed. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> you weren't expecting yeah. my magnetic field. <laughs> <laughs> I now have control of this planet. Yeah. But then would yeah, that... A so like, does that add like a problem then because there wouldn't yeah. be a magnetic field, essentially? Uh, yeah, I mean, we... we so, yes. So, so satellites have... To, need extra shielding if there's not yeah. a magnetic field to, to you know to 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 keep them protected from uh, from solar wind radiation mm -hmm. right and this is, brings us back to what we we're talking about earlier as you know 
as the magnetic field weakens, if it continues to weaken, um, then yeah, they'll need more and more shielding, right? These well, these satellites, and you know, shielding is pretty expensive to put on satellites, right? Because you think it's kind of there and stuff, yeah. But I know what you mean, like when people like Elon talking about terraform, terraform on Mars. He, he seems to make it seem as simple as just dropping nukes at the poles. <laughs> That's because it's yeah. Elon. Musk. What if you need a magnetic <laughs> field? <laughs> He's, an, so he's an engineer, so, yeah. I was planning on moving out there, man. Almost, yeah. Get your bags packed. <laughs> got me, got me four hundred grand. I need to get a ticket on that plane. So, I suppose then a question naturally that came to my mind when I was like doing some initial reading is obviously the climate, right? As we've massively affected it as humans in the past two, three hundred years, has that been the same? like with the magnetic field and stuff so have humans so i know I've, like things happen over very large geological mm, areas mm. have has there been a noticeable impact from kind of how like we've gone through the uh, like the industrial revolution and how mm. we operate now has that affected the magnetic field in any way no i'm pleased to say that's one of the things that, that we've uh, we've managed to, yeah to, <laughs> that we'd really struggle still to time. mess up actually there's still time there's, to ruin yeah, it yeah. <laughs> we can I mean, figure something out <laughs> I mean, yes things would have to go really 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 bad. wrong yeah to to affect that because yeah it's it's 2900 kilometers beneath our feet is the yeah. core mantle boundary and um yeah you know our deepest drill holes are about what, 10 kilometers or something so um yeah, we're, we're not able to get down there and, and mess, and mess it up. Yeah. That. Brilliant news. Jesus. Um, I suppose, yeah, to, to imagine, I mean, we're in a bit of the realms of sci-fi, how, how things could change. But, you know, if we managed to heat up the planet so much that, um, yeah, we stopped plate tectonics somehow, you know, then, then, that, then, would, then that, that would, would kill affect the it, yeah. field. But, so yeah, I suppose, uh, like you're saying then, the Earth's been cooling mm. since, it's, it's formed, yeah. since it's formed. It's obviously releasing these lighter elements, coming out in volcanoes or whatever you like this is just in the core that the, the light elements are being released so being they just float to, to the, the top of the core and they might react to the volcano but they don't, the they don't, they don't, they don't yeah. okay. we don't have any the, the, we don't have volcanoes coming from from uh, the deep in oh, yeah so I was going to say but the air's cooling but the atmosphere's heating doing up. the opposite isn't it it's heating up like where mm. we're living is getting hotter so I don't even know what my question is but it's just a mad like contradiction <laughs> of like yeah juxtaposition if you like like the, the cause cooling and, and the surface is getting hotter if you like so it's a, it's a question of time scales i guess so the, this you know the energy that's trapped inside the earth is you know is vast and is being yeah, yeah. you know is, is being released slowly but you know the amount of i can't remember you always forget what the what the power incidence from the sun is but you know it is Many, many times more than the power that's released from the interior of the ah, Earth. Ah, okay. Right? So that, so in terms of governing our surface temperature, it's all about the sun. Okay. And the, and yeah, the Earth's heating up because of the the greenhouse effect and global mm. warming, which is yeah, is, is that then the the sun's radiation can't escape us, you know, yep. so it's getting trapped in there. Um, yeah. So when that's happening, you know, on a frighteningly short time scale yeah. of you know of, of the, the news around that is very troublesome yeah you know what i so i saw a, a picture on bbc um website the the other day that was showing sea surface temperature I think i've seen this and it's like so, down yeah. here it is was it, or is it the other way around no it, so there's a there's a bunch of so it's how it varies through the year and it sort of yeah. it, it goes and it normally peaks in march and then declines through through the summer um like globally and and it's got all these these gray lines yeah. for what it's been doing since the 1970s 
and uh, just this year, I've seen that. It's just like a red line. line. It's just gone up. Yeah, and it's, it's just like, and, and it's like, isn't it five sigmas of like variation yeah, from everyone be. else? Yeah. Something yeah, daft, yeah, something and everyone's crazy. like, oh well, that's not good. No, you just <laughs> yeah. rejog me memory. I seen that. And it's just like the visceral reaction of seeing this rogue line going up, yeah. and, and, it, like, and it's yeah. and it's the loneliness of that line, which is so worrying because <laughs> yeah. it's true, on its because yeah. it's like it's not like there's oh there's a few up there. It's well, no, this is on its own. What was that exactly measuring? It was it surface temperature? Was it surface temperature? Yeah, because yeah, it's because normally it goes up during El Nino, right? Okay, um, uh, which is when yeah, these I think this warm water um, comes up to the surface in the in the Pacific, but. Um, El Nino's hardly got started. You know, it's barely started. So for sure, well, for sure, as sure as you can be with these things, but we'd certainly expect this to be the first of several years that are well above the average. But it, if they keep going up like this... It's not good news. And, you know, it, it, well, I'm, I'm scared it's like a tipping point, right? You know, well, That's what everyone's been worried about for years, yeah. isn't it? And it's like yeah. what we had with um, a Dr. Evil Sleepman, mathematician, just like biological modelling. He's like in it's like, uh, population models you have... Mm tipping points and and at some point when you get to the tipping point there's nothing you can do now with the parameters mm. you go into yeah. it, it, it's, it's scary isn't it yeah so is... i suppose then one final question to kind of end on then is what would be the the holy grail of discovery or is it what you were talking about Ooh. before well I'd, i'll tell you about like you know my kind of um the project i suppose that has kept me interested since the um since my phd is really to to explain magnetic variations over the last um, few hundreds of millions of years. So what Very we've recent. seen is, so relatively recent in geological mm. time, yeah. So basically, um, you know, I said that reversals up on average, uh, you know, four times per million years or something. But if you go back 100 million years, there were no reversals at all for like 40 million years, right? So something caused the magnetic field to be very, very stable in that, in that time period. And since then, it's it's become less and less stable, right? Wow. Over over a period of 100 million years. Um, and then before that, if you go back a bit earlier, back to 160, 170 million years ago, it was reversing like crazy. It was like, you know, it went through this period of hyperactivity where it was, it was, it never seemed to settle down in one polarity almost wow. for a short amount of time. So, so something has upset the magnetic field and, you know, and, and those, those sorts of timescales. And I like to think of that as being kind of, that's magnetic climate change, you know, it's, um, yeah. so it's, it's, you know, we've got the weather, which is a random stuff, but then you've got these long-term trends happening. So there's been periods when the poles have shifted a lot, periods when the poles have completely been stable yes. for millions. And yes. then we've got like the most recent where we can predict it sort about. in between. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's wild. So, and so when we don't have an explanation for that yet, it, it's presumably related to the convection of the mantle that's over the top because it's on those sorts of timescales of hundreds of millions of years. Those are the timescales that continents move around on, right? Yeah. And form supercontinents and things, right? So what we, what we think in, in broad terms is that these continents moving around at the surface, that's all linked to flow in the deep mantle, right? Remember, this is flow of solid rock, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and that's going to be bringing cold stuff down to the surf to the base of the mantle and it's going to be taking hot stuff away from the base of the mantle and bringing it up right and that is all going to affect the underlying core which is generating the magnetic field right mm. so if you put cold stuff down that sucks heat out of the core and gives it extra power basically so we've got a, what we think from our simulations that we're running is that if you put extra power 
into the core by by drawing heat out more then it, it gets actually no it gets more unstable oh, yeah ah. it goes a bit it goes a bit wild so we're yeah we're trying to link this up so i've got a big collaboration um grant going with nine institutions so it's led at um cardiff where they're basically running a load of simulations of, of flow within earth's mantle um that is constrained by how the continents are moved around that we we, we think from the geological record and we're, we're trying to link that and say okay well which of these models you know we've got hundreds of models run which of these produces the changes in the magnetic field that actually match the ones that we observed wow. right so so that's a that's a really big, that that'd be big yeah big that's a big question that i'm trying to, you know so it's tying it all together you know so we, kind of, like that but for predictability and safety on the planet we need to mm. find the magnetic field steady state don't we whatever <laughs> it was doing whatever the fuck it was doing then millions let's of years just redo ago. this yeah oh uh, <laughs> No, but yeah, um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much oh, for coming awesome. on. I must say that was genuinely one of the most interesting. Such an interesting that topic. Was unbelievable. Every time I speak to someone who does something more interesting, like, <laughs> speak to some people and you're like, yeah, I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. But then you speak to people like you, Andy, and you're like, oh, oh, my, my research sucks, man. <laughs> I'm in the yeah, wrong area. I'm, I'm going to tell your supervisor that. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> oh, I'm not asked, so that's Your research has, has like immediate, you know, uh, yeah. uh, impact and applications right, yeah. in health science and stuff. It, it's it's yeah. all it's all a different. It's all a different, it, it, a different yeah. game. So if everyone liking or uh, liking watching. Listen, if you like my it, famous question, I know we're getting there. Oh, sorry, that's sorry. Oh my god, sorry, I'm eager to ask my question. Yeah, so if you liked it, hit the like button. If you don't like it, there's a button for that button to be say, Sam. The bastards, yeah, man. we don't like you if you don't like <laughs> it, but keep watching because it gives us views. Now, before we finish, Andy, we have two more questions. So we have Sam's famous question, and we end on a little question as well. So take it away, Sam, with your famous question, right? Andy, this is my question. I crafted this, this took me weeks. Yeah, Ryan said, if you don't come up with a good question, you're off the podcast. So I did me work. You're going to die tomorrow, Andy. Oh, gosh. You're on your deathbed. Yeah, you came on the podcast. You were nice and healthy. It's all gone, <laughs> it's it's all, it's all gone left for you. You're going to die tomorrow, Andy. <laughs> and a great being comes down. What is the one thing you want to know that you currently don't know that would make that goodbye, oh, that good night a bit more? bit more easy for you it could mm. be something big picture i want to know this the world of science the world of paleomagnetism could be something personal i don't know it could be i'm tempted to be really boring and just say that like yeah that bit that i outlined at the end that's that's kind of been my passion you know to understand those changes in, in the magnetic field i've had that since you know oh, since i started doing my phd you know so. early 20s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, early so, so just to finally have that that so, knowledge, I yeah, like it. That would, yeah, that would be great to really to have it nailed down and to know that we could use then the magnetic field to to go back further in time and explain things, you know, about the evolution of the planet. Like, wow, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I like it. that's a good enough answer. I, love yeah, it. I like it. So the final question we end on. So we ask the, the question, then we give a little backup one in case the first one's too hard. What is your favorite song of all time? And then the, the question behind that is, if you can't think of one, what's the one that's like stuck in your head at the minute? Oh, um, I'm going to say Mersey Paradise by the Stone Roses. Oh, thank you. Yes! Oh, no, First of all, get in! <laughs> what a tune. Yes, yeah, what yeah. an absolute well, it, it just takes me back to, to dancing in like Liverpool nightclubs in yeah. the 90s. You know, yeah, so. yeah. Where's, where is it that's got a Stone Roses bar? York. Has it? Oh. Yeah, it's got a Stone Roses bar and I was very happy when I was in the 
Yeah. Because of course I went. Yeah, you love the Stone Roses. Love <laughs> did you yeah. go see them when they did the reunion tour a few years I ago? I've never seen them. Like, never oh, seen them. Sad. I saw them at the, was at the Etihad. They were so good. So, so yeah. good. Right. Sorry, yeah. What's the that front man called again? Ian Brown. Ian Brown, yeah, because everyone He's went mad, didn't he? Because he done a solo tour about a year ago with no band. And he was just, you know, I see the videos that come around on Twitter and he was just dancing around with, like, the PAs, blasting the music. <laughs> and people were like, he probably cheaped out on the tour. He's got no band with him. He's just on his own dancing. Ian Brown has gone a bit off the rails, like, but he's a funny yeah. guy. He's yeah, a funny but guy. lads, with the, well, any yeah, so hyper-creative person, you get, you get the, what's it called? The nuances of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so my favourite song that we, so we add them to a playlist. We we have like oh, the, nice. the SI players. So we get all the guests that come on. We get them to oh, give us the tune, cool. and we add it. And we used to play it at the end, like end the episode with it. But then because mm. we now use the video, mm-hmm. you can't do both, which is it's a bit poo, but we can't. So we put a playlist together instead. So oh. my favourite song added to the playlist, and I'm putting. I'm, that's it. I'm putting my foot down. Of all, of all the songs that we've had so far. Oh, that was your favourite? That's my favourite song. Are you going to give nice. another one? I say, you've already yeah, added it. loads no. to this playlist. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your favourite? Because it's such a good song. Have yeah, you, have you, you ever listened to the songs? Yeah, not many. Many Paradise wow, by Stones. Such but, a tune. No, I, love, I like the Stones. I like them. I like other Manchester bands more. Manchester <laughs> bands more. I like... Um, yeah, I like Oasis more. I like, I like yeah. Oasis. You can't go wrong yeah, with Oasis, Oasis obviously. Um, I like The Smiths more. The Smiths. They played in John Moore's. But I, did they? Yeah, so on the... Sorry, this is proper left field. Like, we were talking about Paleo Magazine and I was talking about the Smiths. So on John Moore's, you know, the Byron Street building down yeah. there? The big building. But on the seventh floor, it used to be a student bar. And then before the Smiths got big, they played a gig up in there. Mm. Shut up, In that building. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. How mad's that? He, uh, Ian, uh, for those who listen, Dr. Ian Malabar, so he runs the master part and he was telling me. You're telling me I sat and learned, like, I don't know, computing. <laughs> Linear algebra. Linear algebra in the room where... where the Smiths belted out. And Morrissey man. was belting out his yeah, tunes. Yeah. Madness. But yeah, once again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Andy, for your time. It's been very, very, very much much appreciated. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next one. See you in the next one, guys. Peace Peace out. Ta-da.